Hey everybody, welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder and editor of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. This week on the podcast, we're talking with one of our favorite writers and favorite people, Brendan Leonard. Brendan is the creator of one of our favorite websites, semirad.com. If you don't know Semirad, you are seriously missing out, and you should go check it out ASAP. Brendan has also recently come out with a new book, 60 Meters to Anywhere, so it was a good time to bring Brendan onto the podcast to talk about the book, and it also provided a good excuse for Brendan and me to catch up. In addition to talking about the book, Brendan and I discuss some of his upcoming projects, including a book about art, another book about pizza, and a third book about football that I might have to force him to write. We also talk about social media and dopamine, and why Brendan is being drawn toward film and filmmaking these days. Simply put, Brendan is one of the best storytellers we have. So if you love the outdoors and have ever been tempted to pick up a pen or a camera to document your experiences there, you have to listen to this podcast. Today's episode of the Blister Podcast is brought to you by us. If you haven't checked it out already, take a look on the site at the Blister membership we are offering. Blister members save a lot of money on gear through a number of exclusive deals that we coordinate. Blister members also get access to all articles on Blister, including our flash reviews and our deep dive comparison articles, and you'll receive a copy of our print edition and digital edition versions of our winter buyer's guide. We're adding more articles and more deals all the time, so check out the Blister membership on the site and start saving money and getting exclusive access. Okay, time now for our conversation with the very rad Brendan Leonard. Well, let me ask, uh, let me start with the question that I often start with, which is, where in the world are you? Oh, I'm in, I'm in Denver. We, uh, we bought a place. We bought a condo in Capitol Hill, and I'm currently enjoying, I think, like 10 consecutive days of being home. I think something like that. Nice. And then I'm gone for on and off for the next several months. So it's like, uh, yeah, just returning to do laundry and, (laughs) and wish I could sit on the couch, I guess. (laughs) Couches are nice. Are you, um, are you doing things like watching movies or, I mean, what do you do when you're like, I'm home, I get to do things one does at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. Um, I do, uh, go to all the restaurants I've Uh been thinking about (laughs) when I'm away and, uh, uh, a friend and I go to, we we just completed our mission to eat at 12 different, uh, diners in Denver for breakfast, uh, by bicycle. Um, excellent. Yeah. Things like that. Catch up with people. Um, yeah. And I train, I train here with a friend to, uh, we do do a big, probably five or seven, five or six hour trail run uh, every Saturday. We're back to try to get ready for an ultra marathon. So, yeah, yeah. So that, so that, okay. Um, so you've got this book that came out 
last month. Um, I don't know that we can actually pin it down to a specific day. That that date seemed to end up being <laughs> kind of a moving target. Um, but it, we can say April, can't we? Yeah, I don't know. April 23rd or something, okay. I guess. Yeah, it was supposed to be May 1st, but it was it was a little early, which is probably not not terrible. Yeah. Okay. And that's actually been one of the fun things to kind of see this book uh, popping up in various people's uh, kind of social feeds and stuff. And it's it's been kind of fun uh, to watch that happen. And, and that's how, in fact, I first heard about the, the book was, um, you know, Alex Honnold. Uh, I think I wrote you just after that. Um, but Honnold was like, yeah, this new book, I'm taking it to China. And I thought, well, one, that's cool. And two, <laughs> Brennan's got a new book. Uh, so uh yeah fun way to learn about a fun way to learn about new new literature yeah i don't think it made it to china he wrote me an email when he was on the on his plane in san francisco he's like yeah i only made it from seattle to san francisco and read the whole thing (laughs) he liked it yeah so it was cool yeah well that's i was you had me pretty disappointed there like you didn't take it but but that's actually turns out better you couldn't put it down I, yeah, he may have still taken it, but he had read it before he left uh, left the U.S. So, okay. huh. yeah, whatever. It was it was the first uh, it was like the first feedback I got on the whole thing was I had sent him a copy and one other person, and that was it. So, huh. um, yeah, he might have been the first, he might have been the first real reader outside of the editors and huh. uh, myself. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, <clears throat> this book. Um, it's funny. I when I when I started in on it, um, I I think I didn't quite peg it. Um, it wasn't quite what I somehow thought it was going to be. Or once I got you know ten twenty pages in, I think the book sort of turned a bit. And so as books do, right? I mean, um, our initial impressions of what a book might be um, often don't need to align with where things go but it did make me curious to know how you are talking about this book and this story um with a couple related questions sort of you know who is the book for um what is it for what were you trying to accomplish here and what would your ideal reception look like you know like some constellation of those questions but i'm curious to hear your take on this thing huh yeah i mean i guess it's uh it's my story Mm -hmm. you know uh i feel like it's kind of uh, a story about finding identity Mm -hmm. um i've never come up with a really good elevator elevator pitch for it it is obviously for everyone everyone who's you know all eight billion people on on the planet should buy it good answer uh, no, it's, you know, you hope it is, but I think the first, the first two categories I think of are people who are into the outdoors and, um, people who are in, you know, have sort of addiction, uh, issues, know someone who does, you know, or, or even who had a past they're trying to deal with currently mm-hmm. or, um, in any sort of way. And I guess I, I wrote it cause I thought, you know, I have, not because I want to talk about myself, but I feel like it was the one story that I've lived that I could that could help other people, mm-hmm. I guess. And that's that's worth sharing, you know, if it helps somebody. And um, 
if it helps one person, I'm totally happy to spend 10 years of my life writing and trying to trying to get the book published. Uh, but uh, no, you hope it helps a bunch of people. Um, and I've, I've heard from a few people so far, which is nice, you know, like, um, but, you know, I think, uh, I think I'm trying to answer your multifaceted question here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know if, um, yeah, I, I guess it's just my story of, of, you know, kind of growing up, uh, in America and being a little bit, a little bit lost, you know, as a kid until I was probably 23 when I became even more lost and was like, oh gosh, I thought I knew who I was. What do I do now? And, uh, you know, having this painful kind of period of discovery, like lonely period where you're transitioning. And I think in the book I say it's treading water, you know, like I didn't know what I wanted to do and, or what I, or who I was. And then I, I slowly uncovered this other uh, direction in life, which was in the mountains, um, which is, you know, probably can thank for everything that's <clears throat> happened today for me as a writer. And I think uh, if people have read any of my stuff before, it's probably been something really funny. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, not really funny, but something funny, uh, something goofy. Mm -hmm. And uh, a, a couple of people were surprised, uh, you know, that like, oh, okay, this is a, this is kind of a story of how you got there. And it's really not that funny, <laughs> you know, no. uh, one, one friend I asked for a blurb was uh, Grayson Schaefer from Outside Magazine. And uh -huh. His email he wrote a he wrote a really nice blurb inside the front cover, and uh, his email back to me when he was when he was sending me the blurb said, "I had no idea how fucked up you are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how fucked up you were." But yeah, it's like thanks, dude. Yeah, uh -huh. thanks. Um, and then and then he wrote the blurb, obviously, but. Um, you know, I, I think like not everybody has this like clean story of like, yeah. you know, like we were talking about earlier, like growing up in the mountains, you're on skis at age two. Like I didn't have yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I found the mountains through a very different path, I guess. And it's led to having the perspective that anytime you get to go out there is just pure joy, you know, like it's all fun. It's all, it could all be very much worse, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I I mean, one, I like how you started the answer to this, which is you said this is a book about identity. Um, and I think that that is definitely where I got to. Um, and I think that's the that's kind of the how I want to recommend the book. Um, you know, and it, it is interesting, as you just said. I mean, yeah, like my introduction to you, you were kind of the goofy, I think we can say truly funny, um, truly funny guy dropping stuff on semi-rad and then this you know and then of course there was um, you know the New American Road Trip mixtape did I say that right? Yeah thanks yeah um, <clears throat> there was that which gave us a bit of a glimpse you know there is some overlap um, and that's a book that we actually reviewed on Blister and and uh but um, that gave a glimpse into a bit of this past. But um, I think when I, you know, kind of just jumped in here and you start, you know, I mean, you're very hard on yourself. Um, it is pretty dark. It is a, you know, early on, it is a struggle with um, with alcohol, right? And, mm -hmm. um, and in some ways, it's like, okay, well, this feels like a bit of a familiar story, Um you know, and it's not like you were out 
murdering people and and you know and it's great because you do bring up a million little pieces uh later in the book and it's like i think there is almost like these sorts of narratives can you feel like you have to do a kind of one-upsmanship right like well i did even worse stuff than someone Mm -hmm. um but um but i think to see this book and where i think it works so well is seeing this as this notion of identity and how these things are not static for any of us. Um, and I think I came to appreciate the book more and more um, as I kind of kept kept reading, you know? Um, so anyway, I, but that's how I was kind of framing it. And But I was curious, you know, to hear, to hear you do the, you know, what is this thing about? Um, what were you, what, what are you doing here? Yeah, the, uh, I, I think that I, I read probably... 10 or 12 like addiction memoirs mm-hmm. when I was <clears throat> way early on you know like I finished the first what was the first draft of this book in like 2009 really mm-hmm. um, but I've been reading all those addiction memoirs you know like and I could tell you like yeah that's like at that time that was kind of how you did it you like look how messed up I am then yeah. I got clean and so I had done that in early you know early versions of the book and they you know, a developmental editor came along and read it and was like, has this, there was this whole list of things. It was like this uh, confessional, like all these things I had done wrong and bad. And there's all these numbers attached to it. And me just like guessing how many times I'd driven drunk, things like that. And like, she's like, you don't have to do this. Like, let's eliminate this list, you know? And I called it my fuck up resume. And Mm -hmm. like, she, we kind of just eliminated the whole thing. It's like, I guess it's become cliche. I don't know. So that's that's a good thing, you know. And um, I think a lot of them focus on early when I was trying to pitch the book. I would tell people, you know, like none of these memoirs or anything like this. They don't really focus on what happens afterwards. It's like all yeah. about yes the problem and then maybe salvation a little bit. Like you you get your way out of it. But nobody's like here I am ten years down the road and you know I mean a couple of people who have written these like relapsed. One lady who wrote a very famous one, like, died of lung cancer, like, eight years later, because she never quit smoking, and, like, I don't know, it, like, so this is, it's kind of nice, uh, still being sober and alive, and, like, hmm. you know, having, having that story to tell, too, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I joke with my girlfriend, I'm like, let's go out and get a beer, just kidding, I, I can't do that, I got this book, you know, like, what if I, <laughs> yeah now you really now you're just yeah. not allowed to screw up you know we've all you're on the record now yeah for real so hmm. um i really like that i think that's a great that's a great thing and i that was another question was and i i, I was sure the answer was yes that you'd read a lot of these um these narratives um but i think that that is an important thing. And one of the things I like so much about the book is that it does carry on. I mean, this is, this is an important part and a crucial part of a story, but it is not the whole story. Um, right. And, um, and I think that arc, I, I, and frankly, I really do think anyone and the many people who have come to really appreciate your current work, um, and maybe have kind of, you're just kind of like the fun, silly outdoors guy. This is a really pretty nice perspective. Um, and it reminds things that like people aren't simple, you know, and, um, we all have backstories and, um, and, uh, 
yeah, I think one, you have done the work of sharing yours, but two, you really do get into some, I know for me personally, it was a good opportunity to just reflect on different identities and the way that identities change over a lifetime. Um, and that was really good stuff. I think that's some of the stuff I feel like most grateful, um, you know, for you, you work through a book and, um, I think I'm pretty grateful for those aspects of it. Oh yeah. I, I mean, like, like you said, like, it's not, I hope, you know, yeah. If you, if you have just that one facet of your personality or that one story it might be, might be kind of boring, you know, mm -hmm. like people are complicated, you know, we, we like to see things in black and white a lot of the times, like this is right. This is wrong. My team is the best. Your team is the worst, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's sports or politics or whatever. And we, we want clean solutions of right and wrong. And like a lot of times people are very, very complicated. And, um, yeah. So I, I, hopefully it, hopefully it helps people embrace the, that in their lives too. You know, like, Oh, this isn't this thing that I have to hide or, mm -hmm. you know, not, <clears throat> not ever tell anybody or like act like it doesn't exist, you know, like, yeah, I'm a rock climber or whatever, but, I got this whole other story, this whole other life yeah. I was living before. So, yeah. When did you, when did you kind of put the, the finishing touches on the manuscript? Like how long have you, you know, when was this thing kind of off and, uh, I'll leave it at that and then ask my next question. Uh, I want to say last summer, actually. Okay. I think it was last summer I finished. Like they, I had like a 60,000 word manuscript. Hmm. 60 or 50 and then uh they pushed me to i wrote ten thousand more words and added them on after the developmental edit it was, okay. it was literally just like a have a phone call with this with this editor who's awesome keely raymond and uh and she encouraged me to just write a ton more and we'll see what happens and so i wrote ten thousand more words we cut ten thousand more words and then and then it was basically finished you know and then there was small debates about what should be included between all the people on staff and the copy editor and everything. And yeah, the, the final, I want to say, I would have to look it up, but I want to say it was August or September last year. Okay. Uh, yeah. So two, my next kind of two questions are somewhat at odds with each other, I guess, but at a certain point I have to wonder, I mean, is it weird to like now you're you're talking about the book you're promoting the book people are reading it giving you feedback are you kind of like can i stop talking about this now like it it feels like there's a bit of sort of self-flagellation or something i mean like is there part of you that's like this is great i got this out you know it's published but maybe now i get to stop having to talk about like you know, to use again, your terms, like what a fuck up I was hmm. or, or, or is it like, dude, this is part of the process and it kind of helps keep me on the path I want to be on. Um, but I wondered about that if, you know, if, if, um, it, the rest of us, if we're not constantly talking about our worst moments in life, <laughs> we sort of get off the hook, right? And you're not letting yourself off the hook so much here. Yeah, I think like, I think there's like a brief a period in there of it's like the early part of the book where, you know, it's like that stuff that did that we did cut out of there that wasn't like, you don't have to prove what a bad person you were. And yeah, I was not murdering people. But like, I was a really a person I really did not like, you know, in retrospect, you know, I was like, I come from a place, you know, 
in Iowa in the Midwest where you show up for work on time, you show up for work, you, you work hard, you do your thing, you're nice to people, uh, you don't like say you're going to be somewhere and then not show up or, you know, you're not late, you don't flake on people. And that was the person I was, I was being, not to mention, you know, a few legal problems and, you know, just like not, you know, like you're hurting people around you for no reason, you know, just because you're selfish in one way or another, you just don't show up or you, you were slept in because you were hung over or whatever. And I don't know, I've kind of still carried that as like, you know, you have the rest of your life to be a good person now. Like you have this bad period. So I, I work really hard on trying to be a good person who is like humble and not self-centered, you know, like, I mean, I'm obviously I'm self-centered enough to write, write a book about my, my life, but like I, I wrote it, you know, you write it cause you believe the story has the, the potential to help people. You know, I didn't write it cause I'm like, Hey, look how cool I am. I want everybody to read this and think I'm cool. It's more like, you know, feel like everybody else there's got to be a lot of a slightly I don't know damaged is a little bit harsh of a word but you know like me like we're all have we have scars and skeletons mm -hmm. and stuff and like it's okay you know if, if you read this and it helps you deal with your shit that's that's the reason I wrote it you know that and to make you know literally hundreds of dollars in royalties someday <laughs> uh, but but yeah so I mean I still you always carry that with you, you know like I'm there's still that guy who is not not a very good person. And I've been trying to be a good person for about three times as long as I would say I was a bad person. But, you know, it's 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 good to to focus on that, I think. And I wouldn't say I feel huge guilt about it anymore, but definitely it definitely has set me on a course of trying to be a better person all the time still. Because um, you can I could go back in, in a second, you know, and like... <laughs> just disappear and, and be that guy. Um, I don't know. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm not tired of talking about it yet. Uh, I told somebody I hope the book sells well enough that people I know stop asking me if I want to go get a beer, you know, sometime. Because uh, obviously that happens because you're not, people don't know your entire history and you're like, yeah. I always have to decline that. But if it gets that big where nobody ever asked me for a beer again, that's really good news, you know, like, <laughs> Like, yeah obviously obviously it's worldwide you know but yeah yeah that's pretty pretty pie in the sky ridiculous uh, i was i was actually thinking about that though is like man this this is would this would be a legitimate uh you know when i asked you what were the objectives here in writing this thing and i had actually written that down like probably so that people would stop being like dude you want to get a beer <laughs> and, right. so you just yeah you can just uh if you can carry a couple spare copies in your pack and you know just hand them off uh if, if you're asked that and then eventually you know a year or two from now all eight million or eight billion people in the world will have read it and <laughs> you'll you'll never have you'll never have to deal with that one again yeah well i think that that's just like the there's a a line in goodwill hunting when will you know is asking skylar out for coffee and she, she says you know yeah maybe we could get coffee sometime or she's asking him out maybe we could get coffee sometime she mm -hmm. says and he goes yeah, we could just get together and eat a bunch of caramels. And she yeah. kind of goes, why? <laughs> well, when you think about it, it's as arbitrary as drinking coffee. And when people say, let's get a beer, all they mean is like, let's go let's sit hang out, talk, yeah. you know? And yeah. That's what they mean. But yeah, uh, yeah so it's it's totally fine. It's just, it's funny. But that's that's how things work when you're an adult. Yeah. So, um, And it's a it's really, I mean, I think another really interesting element of the book is um 
to go Shakespearean, I guess, like, you know, it's like that question of to drink or not to drink. And, you know, part of it is you, there are times and there are moments in the book when that is sort of a terrifying thought to you, where you are working through like right now, this drink in this moment would be an absolute catastrophe for me. Right. And then there are other times when you're like, dude, this isn't a big deal. Like I got this. I'm a, an adult and I'm smart and I'm, I have shown and proven in my life. I've got a lot of discipline and these moments in the book where you're sort of working through this question of, you know, would it be that big of a deal? Um, that's interesting. Cause I think pretty much every single person we probably know, you know, myself included, um, that's just another opportunity to think about the question. Right. Um, I think it's probably good for us to be thinking about our relationship to pretty much anything we do. Um, and so even if some of us haven't had the same relationship to booze or say to climbing or skiing or anything else, um, I think the book does a good job of letting us think through like, yeah, what am I like, you know, um, and let me kind of evaluate, um, how I act, how important this is, is it maybe too important? Um, but anyway, I thought that was an interesting feature of the book because I'm not sure in the kind of, what are we calling these? The kind of substance abuse narratives. I'm not sure that that is always a staple of those, right? Oh yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. And you know, I haven't read one in like seven years now. So, um, but yeah, I think it's worth examining everything you do, obviously, like, and I, I, in the talk I give to promote the book, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of shows around, around the U.S. Uh, this summer and this year, but there's a point now where I talk about the, what I've developed as the bullshitometer, um, mm-hmm. thanks to, like, myself, my own behavior, which is, like, you know, I'm not good at, I'm not good at having one beer, you know, mm-hmm. and saying stop, I'm good at having zero beers, you know, mm-hmm. and saying stop. Or 100, you know, like I can go 100 <laughs> or I can be in park, basically. I can go 100 yeah. miles an hour and be in park. Um, I have that discipline. But like, you know, I think it's good to examine why, because we are really good at rationalizing just about everything, you know. And, and if you keep asking yourself why, like by the seventh time, you get to the real answer. And I had a friend right when I quit drinking, I was probably two months sober, not even like in I may have been out of substance abuse treatment, like maybe maybe four months or whatever. He was a guy I drank with a ton, uh, really good friend, really good conversationalist, and we would get in some trouble together or whatever. But Bob said we were having dinner together, and Bob is drinking a glass of wine, and I'm drinking a glass of water, just like, you know, holding on to my sobriety, like, I'm okay. And, and uh, Bob, Bob goes, we were talking about drinking, and he said, you know, every time I drink, regardless of how much it is, it is because I am not happy with who I am right at that moment. And I said, you're drinking now. <laughs> he goes, yeah, you know, I just want to loosen up a little bit or whatever, you know, he's like, obviously I'm not happy with myself, you know? And what he means is just like in a situation, maybe I would like to be a little more loose or a little, you know, like a, a little more relaxed. So I have a glass of wine and, you know, some people like need, I think they need like eight glasses of wine to be that person, you know, or whatever. But that really stuck with me. It's always stuck with me for, gosh, it's been 15 years since he said that, 14 years, you know. And I think we do that with a lot of things, you know. Um, You know, we're now, we don't like to, another conversation I had with a friend uh, on a Grand Canyon raft trip, she was talking about 
how as a culture we don't like to feel like we don't like to deal with our feelings and I think there's so many ways we do that and so many ways I, I continue to you know like I don't I don't drink I don't do drugs anymore where I'm like can escape those feelings so that's created this I also don't relax which is a totally different problem but mm-hmm. uh but there's all these ways where we don't have to admit we're lonely or we're sad or we're tired or we're nervous you know like well, I'm bored, so I'm going to check my phone, you know, repetitively, or, um, you know, I'm I'm going to eat my feelings, you know, I'm like, I'm having a lot of stress in my life right now, so I'm going to go clean out a pint of Ben and Jerry's, you know, like, I'm, you know, I may not drink anymore, but I have done that dozens of times, you know, uh, you know, even, even just like being busy nowadays is a way we hide from, from what we really want to do, you know, we're like, oh yeah, I would love to go take a vacation, but I'm so busy, you know, or, I would love to write a book, but I'm so busy, you know, I'm like, really, what are you talking about here? You're talking about like, you fear having to actually do things that you said you were going to do, you know, that you dream of doing, but they're too scary. So instead, you like schedule your life out and put to put all these, you know, self made obstacles in your way. So there's this there's this whole thing about that it's big philosophical thing I deal with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think everybody's like that. And it's good to question that, like, Hmm. am I really too busy or am I busy doing bullshit? You know, like, Mm -hmm. am I really too busy to like take up painting or learn to play the guitar? Am I making myself busy with like binge watching a bunch of like Netflix and like whatever else, you know, like who knows, you know? And I think you think it's important for people to examine those things for themselves. If, if they are truly wanting to be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's where that question was going, but that's, that's the answer. Sorry. Yeah. No, and I think, I mean, the, I think one of the things, and I I think, I think, (laughs) I think, I think, I think, I think this is true of a number of the people that I know and admire is when you get to channel that, say, busyness into an area that you're genuinely passionate about, right? Yeah. Because I, I don't, you know... Like, I don't think personally I'm that good at like, well, I've got nothing going on. It's like, I like to have something going on, you know? And there are times, um, I think if I look back over, you know, my own life and there's a bit of that tendency kind of to dive all in, go all in. But I think as long as we're, or maybe it's we can count ourselves blessed if we get to pick those things that we're going all in on, And so then sometimes life feels a bit nuts and out of control and there's too many things going on. But I think, I don't know if we get to, if that's in an area where we're genuinely passionate about, um, maybe that's not such a bad thing. I think if, if we're saying busy, I'm too busy to go do the things I'm passionate about. That's Mm -hmm. maybe a good opportunity to be like, what can I switch up here? How do I get out of this? Um, Right. Right. I don't know. Cause I mean, I think we both know, a lot of people that are, are, you know, they don't have a ton of time on their hands, but, um, but they're people that, who are out doing stuff and making things happen and creating. And, um, I think for the most part, I do think that that's at least one, one version of the good life. Oh yeah. No, I totally would say that. I mean, I think like there's a period of your life where you get to wander around and like, you know, goof off and stuff mm-hmm. while you're trying to figure out what you want to do and yeah. then once you figure it out you should be full steam ahead at it you know um but i don't i don't have 
I don't know. I did that. You know, I had a couple of years where I got to do that. And now I'm just like, if I think I'm busy, I'm like, I heard this saying, and I don't know who said it, but they said, uh, saying you're busy is just poor time management. And when I'm like, when people ask me, like, how you doing? I'm like, uh, I'm I'm not, I don't want to yeah. say that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. You were just like on Instagram, you know, for like two and a half minutes or five minutes, you know, like, like you're scrolling through Facebook, like checking to see if anybody liked your post. Like if you're busy, you should stop doing that shit, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, get, you know, make more time to do these things you love, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. Like that's, it, it is nice to be busy doing what, doing what you love, but there's always, there's always places for that to be trimmed down to. I think, yep. you know, like, yeah. Uh, did I really say yes to this thing? That's not going to go anywhere. Why am I yeah. doing this? Why am I wasting my time? Like I could be working on this film project that's just sitting there and like, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. How, how is life these days? I mean, is it, are you, from the outside, it kind of looks like you're, you know, just kind of getting asked to do more stuff and you know, you're doing more stuff on your own. I mean, is it, are you kind of hitting the like, shit, this is cool, but now it's kind of nutso and, you know, or, or is it, um, is it not quite as, uh, too much as it, as it sort of seems like it could be? I don't know. I mean, it's definitely evolved for me. I'm, I'm sure it has for you too, in some ways, you know, like, yeah. but I kind of get it go and I don't know, you know, like, um, how would I say this? You know, like I, a couple of years ago, I was really three or four years ago. I was really focused on trying to get my stuff in magazines and, um, it has, you know, I just haven't been doing as much of that. I've been like getting into a little film production, um, which I'm really bad at, but I'm really bad at making money at it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm definitely inefficient. Uh, you know, like I wrote a book, you know, and, like I'm, I'm kind of picking projects that I want to do and I'm still saying yes to way too much stuff, but, uh, yeah, each, each year is kind of different, you know, even like websites that I write for change or, you know, or somebody comes in with an idea and I say yes to that or whatever. So I'd, I'd say it's a little different. I'm definitely not like not climbing as much. Um, yeah. Get the ultra running right now. So uh, I have a race on, we're going to on Saturday. It's a 50, it's going to be my first 50 mile race. So I'm terrified of that. But yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, you know, I'm letting myself evolve as opposed to keep trying to do the same thing all the time um you know for year year in and year out because i don't ever have one thing that really works really well you know yeah like i'm sure blister is like perfect for you and like i can see you're you know you're starting a podcast and evolving that even further but like that's the main thing and mine kind of goes all over the place i'm like oh yeah you want to work on a film sure how much money is that awesome you know and you know, a little photography, sold some photos, you know, trying to learn all the different like storytelling things. And, um, I don't know, it beats working. That's what I tell my dad. (laughs) So are you finding yourself yet, um, looking for that more stable, permanent thing? I mean, do you, is that a kind of sneaking temptation or is that kind of a grass is always greener type of thing or are you still kind of reveling in like as you just put it learning these learning these different skill sets um storyteller skill sets um yeah i don't think i'm looking i don't know i I think like tactically fairly well but not like big picture i don't really do very well so i'm like 
I try to do two things a year that have no no paycheck attached to them, one or two, and I already have them fairly, I'm fairly done with them for this year. Like, I have this little, little like, book pamphlet thing I want to self-publish about making art for, you know, to make a living at it, and then uh, art including writing, obviously, because I'm not an artist, but, uh, and then another, another film project that's pretty uh, close to home, literally, for me, it's about 15 blocks from where I live. Uh, it's a friend who built a bike for me, and I'm, like, uh, trying to make a film about it, but learning, you know, to shoot, to do the audio, to, like, to edit. I'm learning to edit film now, yeah. um, which is, all this stuff is really slow, and learning the slow way, and I don't necessarily have anybody helping me do it. So that's, like, those are a couple things. You know, I like film. You know, I have ideas to write fiction books and stuff. I'm, like, you know, you kind of go where your inspiration leads you, you know, and for the last few years, it's been, I've been at film festivals, and I've been like, I would love to make a short film, and we're doing that kind of stuff now, and I'm like, if I can do one or two of those a year, it's a really cool way to tell stories and uh, share characters with people, you know, it's like, you can write a story about your buddy on your blog, and it'll reach a few people, and they're like, kind of you know you get to tell people what he's like or she is like but if you show them in a film you know like they they actually get to feel like they're hanging out with the person yep um in such a more vibrant way so yeah i don't know i don't have anything figured out it's like <laughs> I, I i like doing this you know and i'm definitely not quitting to like get a regular job if i can help it but you know it's it's going okay so I'll stick with it yeah i am curious about i mean i i i'm I'm wanting to talk a bit just about kind of writing in general here. And that was one of the things I was wondering about was whether you have sort of stories, uh, whether, you know, novels or shorter pieces that aren't kind of outdoors focused, you know, are, are, are you, do you, are you sitting on certain things already um, that, just don't kind of run. They just don't have to really, they're not, they're not based in outdoors sports culture or something. Um, or is that still kind of where your the primary motivation for your writing is coming from? Oh no, definitely. I mean, like I, um, definitely I have ideas outside of the outdoors, you know, like, um, I have a couple different, I have a thing I want to do with pizza all around the world. Not like actually, good pizza but like kind of the outliers of of pizza um like all the different pizza styles within the u.s and like frozen pizza and like the artificial flavor pizza that's in like potato chips and uh you know things like that and like yeah. try to find the most far-flung pizza joint in the world which i think i know where it is right now uh, i would just have to go to it um i have another fiction project that i i just have like a very crude map of how it would work or the, the characters who would be narrators. Um, I just read this great fiction book over, yeah, I guess right before Christmas and uh, it just blew my mind. And I was like, God, I could do something like this kind of like structure, but with a way different story, different characters to try to say, try to capture like the American relationship with, uh, with football, like the American football, uh, which I think is kind of fascinating too. Super uh, fascinating. Yeah. In a number of ways and like not, not all of them positive, you know, yep. at all. Um, so especially right now with like concussion research and, and yep. everything. Um, but there's, 
there's a way to capture that without telling people, hey, it's wrong or it's right. You know, like there's a way to do it in a way that's like, well, we have this confusing relationship with this thing. Yep. And here's, here's, you know, you may identify with one or more of these people. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how long that will take me to write because I haven't written a word yet. I just have these like people, these characters who are like roughly sketched out and uh, actually never written fiction before. So that could be a real, <laughs> that could be a real education. It may never happen. So uh, wait, yeah. the football, the football book has to happen now that you've told me, Yeah, <laughs> I want to, I want to read that book. Um, but you're thinking that would be fiction rather than kind of an essay meditation on America and this game. Oh yeah. I think okay. so. I'd like people love to read stories. People don't necessarily like to read somebody like gazing at their navel, you know? Yeah. Uh, so Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see. I would have to carve out some time for it. Um, which, if you're if you're creative at all, you're supposed to be good at making time. So I'll have to make time for it. It's just at some point, I'm just going to be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and work on that for a while. And once it's a third of the way done or a third of the way started, I think I come through with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then I have another another little zine slash book I'm trying to put together. It's it's tentatively called 35 myths and truths about making art uh which kind of includes photography filmmaking you know what painting whatever whatever you do you know and it's like kind of this book that's intended to kind of just like light a fire under people a little bit and it's just something i would self-publish and sell really cheaply um hmm. i just need to have somebody design the cover and have a few friends read it and make sure it's not stupid um but I think it'd be a nice thing to have people pass around to other people or give to friends who are, or give to kids who are interested in possibly making a sort of living off of doing something they love, whether it's, you know, a thousand dollars a year or 50,000, you know, whatever. Um, cause I've learned a lot just from hanging out just through the outdoors, um, telling these kinds of stories and, and meeting people who are photographers or other writers or filmmakers, you know, or, or painters, stuff like that. Um, and everybody's got their own, there's this kind of business side and there's this kind of motivated side, like the or ambition side, you know, where the people who have just decided, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, even if it's not my full-time job, um, yeah. people, nobody's ever going to come along to you and be like, Hey, we heard about you. We'd like you to just do illustrations, you know, 40 hours a week for, you know, $70,000 a year what do you think about that? Like that doesn't happen. So yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of intended to do that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different things and, but like, you know, adventure is kind of always, it's always there. And like, you have to, it's, you know, I'm going to keep doing things in the outdoors. It's just, just something that I have to do every year, you know, or I feel kind of isolated and like, Oh gosh, I haven't been anywhere where I feel tiny for a while. So yeah. And usually the event, the ideas we have for films are usually outdoor related because that's the best. That's to me, that's where I know the most good stories um, yep. and places. So, yeah. yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I know you, I don't know that I can say this that articulately, but I know you're going to know what I'm talking about. Um, mm -hmm. It is interesting kind of in the outdoor sports scene. Right. And, I think maybe particularly, I don't know that we're seeing that much on like, say, in mountain biking in particular, but certainly in skiing and ski mountaineering and 
climbing and, you know, hiking, backpacking stuff. I mean, it sort of seems like we're, we are in kind of a new, perhaps new culture where athletes and people going outside to do this stuff. Um, I mean, you, you are kind of the, the storyteller who happens to go do this stuff, but it does seem like we're seeing either an internal or external pressure on athletes to kind of become the storytellers. And I kind of wonder what you think about, I mean, sometimes I'm looking through, you know, Facebook or Instagram and, and I, you know, you kind of at a certain point ask yourself like, man, I feel like I just scrolled through 30 different, you know, whatever Instagram posts or something. And they're sort of all exactly the same, you know, that, that, and, yeah. and I think there's a bit of a saturation or a cliche thing that if we haven't hit it yet, um, it seems like we might be awfully close. And, and I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's only because, you know, the very niche little worlds that, that I happen to be paying attention to or, or, you know, tangentially a part of or something. But, um, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's just like a reflection of media in general. And like, I can probably only speak to outdoor media, but you know, like if you were a rock climber 20 years ago, like your job was to get who's ever brand was paying you to, you know what I mean? Like if you yeah. were an athlete for, uh, five ten, you know, your job was to climb hard things and, you know, be, be in front of photographers and be shot for magazine articles and ads, you know, and hopefully maybe even some films, I guess 20 years ago is a little early, but, but you know, now it's with, there's just this democratization of media, I feel like for everyone. And, um, you know, you've seen people go from like nobody to like Instagram celebrity, you know, yeah. uh, just because they take a photo of their butt every other day, you know, yeah. and like now you have 6 million followers. And, um, so I think you have like kind of two different questions there. And one is like our athletes storytellers. I think, I think, yeah, it's like, you know, maybe the magazines that people were trying to get in a few years ago are, don't have like, you know, it's not like where people are looking, you know, like maybe people are just watching that, that magazine's Facebook feed and seeing it online or whatever, or maybe they're not looking at all. Maybe, maybe their way of viewing rock climbing media is just following like their seven favorite climbers on Instagram or Twitter, you know? Yeah. Um, so there is this thing like, do you need a flashy photo to tell that story? Do you need like a perfectly executed photo to tell a story? I don't know. You know, it depends on the story. Yeah. I think they're great in some respects, but with, with your second question is, is like, um, is everything on Instagram the same? And I, I just think that at this point people are, you know, starting to follow, you know, Instagram is like, is it going to last? Maybe. Right. I don't know. We're all changing like so rapidly anymore. Yep. You're like one month, that's all you, or one month. Yeah. Like one year, that's all you can do. You're obsessed with Instagram, you know? And like, Oh, I want to follow all these adventurers and you're really psyched on checking out their photos. And I feel like now, you know, I was having a conversation with uh, Max Lowe, who's a photographer back in December. And he's, he was like, you know, a great photo is good, but if you don't have like you're not saying anything in the caption people probably aren't going to really react to it too much mm -hmm. and i feel like i've seen even like my number my engagement on instagram personally drop you know where i'm like okay i just in like my photography i feel like is getting really good but i'm like for me for me good mm -hmm. um but like you know i'm like oh that's a great photo I'm like hardly anybody likes it but if i just like come up with a 
really creative, funny caption, holy shit, like my feed just blows up, you know? And I'm like, mm. okay. Um, so it's interesting. So I feel like Instagram is evolving too, where you're like, you're not so like maybe like you were saying earlier, you're kind of bored with like this formula that's coming through your feed now and you need something new. And, you know, I've like gone from following outdoor adventurers and, and climbers and stuff to like had a phase where I followed golden retrievers, like, like a dozen of them, you know, and now I'm on to like um, people who draw comics and put them on, on Instagram hmm. and, there's there's not enough i follow like 15 of them and they don't always post every day but these it's these little four panel things and it's this perfect size and these people have it mastered and i'm so entertained by it you know and uh you know it's just people who are finding new ways to like grab your attention you know and, yeah. and i think i think like it's, like it's like any medium that that we've become bored with you know like television you know went from like ed sullivan to like now we have sitcoms and then we have like reality tv is like the big thing and then it's like reality tv like essentially game shows like uh the voice and stuff like that and like american idol you know and like now we're now tv has moved away from tv and it's on netflix and you know uh all these things and it just depends where you want to where you want to see your media so there's a lot there's a lot going into that you know and i think some athletes are great storytellers and the ones that are are uh you know, they ride, they rise to the top and, um, you know, like there are people who are just like, that's just not in their personality and they're not really, they don't really want to learn it or like try to try to do it. And that's fine. You know, like sometimes it's enough to just be really good at the sport you do and people will follow you. But like, I personally find myself more engaged with people who are telling, telling stories with what they do. Um, even if it's not like this high achieving thing, you know, do I do I care if you're on Everest? Not really. Do I ter- care if you're telling a good story? Yeah, that's that's what I'll tell yeah. you. So, it's funny too that <clears throat> I think I had an initial resistance to Instagram because it seemed like we already kind of had adapted to a world of Facebook, and then it seemed like Instagram came along, and that actually was supposed to be the kind of no words so- social media, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, man, what are we just getting? dumber and dumber where like now I'm too lazy to even want to have to read anything. I just want to (laughs) look. And so it's, it's interesting that, you know, I mean, and, and you can correct me if you have a different, if you have had a different experience with that medium or channel, but it does seem like words have become a bigger and bigger part of Instagram. And that initial resistance I had of Instagram, where it's just photo, just photo, just photo it's interesting that words, I mean, you were just saying in your experience and in your feed, you know, the right words make the difference, connect people. And that somehow that actually is a cheering thought to me. Um, we're, we're, I don't know what we're, it's not a death of words, you know? Oh yeah. That's, that's great. That was, that's funny. That was like thinking along your evolution. I'm like, okay, we're going from words to pictures and then we're just going to go to shapes and then we'll go to like just colors. And then yeah. eventually there'll just be an app that just puts black squares in front of you and you just scroll through. Them. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, yeah, I think so. You know I mean? Like we're all doing stuff cause we're bored and I still get that on Facebook a ton just because like it's become like a news feed for me and mm-hmm. I don't get, I don't really get news from Instagram. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, if I want to find out 
what the, uh, you know, like political primaries, you know, I'm not finding that out on Instagram because of, because of how I've curated my feed or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they're there for different things, you know? So it's, it's interesting, you know, like I, people, like I worked in a newspaper when I first got out of grad school in like 2005 and you know, you're like, people are like, Oh, newspapers are dying and kind of, yeah. It, but you would have never seen all these different types of media come yep. in and like, you know, it's like, it's fascinating to see all these different ways that you can follow people. And I had a friend of mine, Brody Levin was like, we were on a bike trip and I was, I was like, explain Snapchat to me. And he did. And I was like, okay, I kind of get it. I don't and I'm, I'm always waiting for this last, uh, the last form of social media that I don't engage in where I'm like, that's it. I'm old, you know, yeah. like all the kids, they're on the Snapchat. Yeah. I, I don't even know what that's about, you know, and I'm like, wait, maybe I should get on Snapchat just to like preserve my youth a little bit. You know, it's like, which, which one marks the death of the death of my youth, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but listen, I mean, it, it's certainly, I think probably with some, uh, writers that you and I both would hold in pretty high esteem, right? The, there's a pretty interesting question in life about, you know, what is distraction and, and what isn't, right? And I mean, frankly, seems pretty safe to argue that your new book, 60 Meters to Anywhere, is um, maybe an entire meditation on that, right? I mean, what are the things that are kind of taking us away from life? And what are the things that are um, leading us to a deeper engagement. And I, I, I mean, you just have to simply say, I mean, from Facebook to Instagram, to Snapchat, to the, to the next thing, to the next thing at a certain point, if we simply become people obsessed with maintaining a presence on all these platforms, um, you know, I, I throw in what 1864, was pretty terrified about how busy of a place America was, right? Oh, oh, yeah, for sure. And so this is not to say, like, this is absolutely not to say, like, therefore it's evidence that social media is dumb or stupid. That's absolutely not my point. But it's fascinating to see really smart people um, talking about this country's culture 150 years ago, worrying about the level of distraction and busyness and it's like, I, my take, you know, is it's not that all of these things are bad or good, but that the kind of radical or hyper vigilance, I think that maybe is on us to like, try to not leave, lead idiotic lives. That pressure feels, well, maybe more intense than it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I think like, what Thoreau probably thought was busy was like trying to catch up on the news. Like, yep. And we're like, now we're like reading a newspaper 150 years later is like totally a relaxing thing, you know, like, yeah, it's like something we, Oh yeah. Maybe Sunday I'll just get a cup of coffee and go read the New York times, like the paper edition, you know, like it's this antiquated thing we do to like relax as opposed to like reading it on our phones. And yeah, no, I mean, I would say like, I think, uh, you know, my, my book is more about like, addiction to, to me and I realize like I don't think people are going to read it because they want to know something about addiction or like how to uh you know how to beat it or like one more one more story about a guy who goes to rehab and like finds himself or whatever but I feel like we have this 
thing in our culture where we don't like to like to feel things or we don't like to like confront our feelings or actually admit to them, you know, and um, for me and probably for a lot of other people, like alcohol was that, that's what did it for me, you know, like I think they've done studies on addiction, you know, that are, they, there are studies about addiction, you know, that, that have indicated that, you know, like loneliness is kind of why people do drugs and, yep. you know, do out al- and like and drink alcohol a lot uh, to excess and, and whatever. And um, I think it's not only like a substance problem, you know, like we're, we're all like on this continuous battle of it where we're like, well, what can I do with my feelings? And, you know, I don't drink anymore. I haven't for a long time. I haven't done drugs in a long time. Um, but you know, we all have these things like, Oh, food, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to eat my feelings, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I'm tired and I'm, and I'm sad or something. So I'm going to have a cheesecake, you know, or, or whatever it is we eat or like, you know, uh, social media to your point. Absolutely. You know, you're like, Oh gosh, I'm bored. I can't stand being bored or I'm lonely. So I'm going to see what people are doing online. And, uh, you know, I'm going to look for these little red bubbles in my, in my Facebook feed or see how many little hearts I get on Instagram. And, you know, like all of these things, checking our email, this is all, these are all dopamine releasers, you know, yep. just like, just like alcohol, just like sex, just like all these other things that they help us feel good. And so we're, we're having these little artificial feelings like that. And even to your point of Thoreau, like, I think being busy is a way to like, not have to confront your feelings either. You know, like we're yep. all doing that now. You're like, I'm like, people are like, how have things been? You're like, I'm not going to say busy. I'm not going to say busy. Yeah. I've been busy. You know, and you're like, what am I so busy doing that I wasn't busy doing like five years ago? I'm like, a lot of it is your, why are you reading your phone while you're brushing your teeth in the morning? No wonder you feel busy, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's like when I wake up, I'm opening this thing up to see what's on it. And like, I can't even stand and wait for like coffee to, to finish brewing before I'm looking at my phone, you know, like, okay, you know, so I think it's all, it's all kind of relevant in that respect, you know, we're all like, we're, we're building this addiction to phones and social media and stuff. And I'm as bad as as the next guy. And like, it's, I was talking to a friend of mine, like, you know, it's funny, like the most relaxing thing you and I can do right now is like get on an international flight. Exactly. Leave and be like, and go to a place where I'm not going to turn my cell phone on. And like, you know, of course I know there's cell phone service, in Europe, but when I go over there, I'm like, yeah, I just don't think I'm going to turn yeah. my phone on for the, the data and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, it's kind of terrifying to be off the quote unquote grid and be like, gosh, what if I can't find a coffee shop by looking at my phone and asking the map, you know, <laughs> app where a coffee shop is and like, Oh, you just look for one. Okay. You know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. That's what, that's what we have to do now or escape to the wilderness, you know, where you're like, where can I go and not find a cell phone signal? And, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't know. It's all welcome to the brave new world, as they yeah. say. How much time are you carving out in a given day then either to read or to write and, and, or does that kind of happen like this is a really good week where I can <laughs> I can cram in a bunch of downtime, you know? I can cram in those the the quiet moments that you need, right? I mean to be a reflective thinking person and whether that's reading, you know, or writing as a means to that, how much time are you carving out and creating these days to do that? Oh man. 
Um, I mean, it depends on the week for sure, yeah. right? But like, yeah, I, I have this thing where like I think people think they're gonna go write a novel if they could just get like time to go sit in a cabin in the woods and like, yeah. you know, and that's like, I think the cabin in the woods is like this fallacy that we believe in. You know, if oh, if I could just do this, it's like yeah. this way of, it's this way of saying you could do it if you just had this and like. I think I wrote a blog about this once where I was like, you don't need a cabin. You need to figure out how to create stillness in your life. You know, right. whether that's like yoga, going for a half hour walk or what, you know? And like, the problem is when you sit down to write, you're like, mm, I'm in a tough spot where I don't know what, where this sentence should go. I'm going to check Facebook. Yeah, I'm going exactly. to check my email, you know? So you're like creating that stillness. You just have to shut everything down, you know? And like, I mean, I've written like, in the driver's seat of a moving car. I've written stuff like on my phone in a tent, you know, I've written, had my laptop sitting on top of a dryer at a laundromat, you know, and it's like none of these places are a cabin in the woods, but you've, you know, you do have to, like you're saying, you have to carve out time or set it aside. And gosh, you know, you're not, you're not feeling it a lot of times, yeah. but uh, a lot of times what I've, what I've been doing lately is a lot of running. I'm like training for an ultra marathon. Yeah. Um, so, I'll be I'll be like, gosh, I gotta write a blog for this week. My blog comes out on Thursday. It's you know, Tuesday or Wednesday. Wow, I gotta like go create some space. So I'll go for a run and usually by the time I come back I have a decent idea of it. Um but gosh, you still you just have to you have to like put everything out of your mind for a while and in that case I'm like, This is my job. I actually have to do this, whether it takes an hour or eight hours, I have to get this thing out and you know, a lot of times it leads to me staying up till, you know, midnight the night before. And, um, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we all know if we're being productive or not, you know what I mean? Like you spend a whole day procrastinating and like checking all your like feeds and like, you know, doing everything else. It's like, you're not going to get anything done at the end of that day. It's kind of anxiety inducing where you're like, Oh my God, I didn't get anything off this to-do list. Like what? Yeah what did I do all day? And you're like, wow, I looked at, it would be shocking to know how many times you like checked your email, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. uh, Instagram. You're like, mm, okay. I looked at, I looked at things, you know, 210 times, yeah. but I wrote, I wrote 57 words of a blog post. No wonder, no wonder I didn't get anything done. So you have to kind of self-diagnose, I guess. Let me, okay, then I think we've got to separate something though, because I think for, I mean, you and you and I both writing, writing is part of the kind of daily job, you know, writing and editing. Um, so let me zero in specifically on reading, you know, because writing, like that's the job we have to do that, but you and I could actually probably both get away. Like if we didn't read a book for four months, no one would call us out like, you know, and, and that actually is what worries me a bit, you know? Um, yeah. I think with all the cool stuff and all the, you know, the huge circles, you know, we have of people and we can follow everybody every single day and everybody's doing all this cool stuff and we're supposed to be doing cool stuff and all that jazz. I mean, this is a little bit, I guess, of the, you know, of an old question about that, that distraction and and if re if writing is something that you and I are both supposed to be actively involved in what about that um it's i mean done well it's a very active process but you know stopping everything to sit down with a book um you know a great book or just a new book um 
that seems a lot trickier, I would suspect, for you and me, and and a lot of people, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing the majority of my reading on uh, backcountry trips or mm-hmm. when I'm doing a lot of, like, air travel or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm to the point where I'm like, gosh, I have, like, seven books sitting next to my bed, and the top one is this one I've been trying to finish for... Uh, it's a terrible book, but my buddy gave it to me, and I'm like, I gotta finish it. I wrote my name in it and everything. I'm like, I'll get through it. Which, which, obviously, I've read that you know this. Of course, you know, trying to finish a book you're not into really hampers your like the total amount of time that you're willing to read. So, yeah, like this thing's killing me right now. But you know, I've read I read two great books uh, in December and january that really blew my mind and kind of informed what i what i'm doing lately or my my newest like best ideas um but i'm still i'm still getting more books and i couldn't even tell you i mean daily do i do it daily maybe you know sometimes if i'm not extremely busy i should be the way i would like to do it is read before i go to bed and like do it to relax so you're not looking at a screen yeah um which is great but uh I couldn't. I could not tell you. Maybe I spend two hours a week right now reading yeah. things that are not on the internet. Um, I put the Kindle app on my phone, which I think is wonderful because then when you're like waiting for somebody to show up at a coffee shop or or whatever, when you're bored, yeah. you can open the Kindle and hopefully get a little smarter instead of like just looking at your instead of just getting dopamine from yeah. your social feeds. Um, but yeah, I. I I think uh, I would worry that people who are like want to write don't read books, you know, and like that's that's kind of a worry. Um, But I know where to find good stuff too, you know. Like, is is reading everything on the internet is that considered reading? I don't know. Medium, there's some pretty good stuff, you know. The New Yorker, Atlantic, like there's there's good stuff out there, like that I would consider art, and some of it is just information. Yeah. Um, and when I, I've been trying to do a blog post every Friday, actually I've been succeeding for almost half a year now, uh, but it's called Friday Inspiration. And mm-hmm. I put that up and I'm trying, the whole point is to find good stuff like that is, you know, that is inspiring me, you know, like, or, or is interesting to me in some, in some way. Um, and of course I always try to find, you know, interesting, intelligent things for people to read. Um, and I, I put it out on Fridays when I know people are, probably likely to not be doing that much at work you know or like it's procrastination time maybe i'll go to this blog and see what this guy's up to um so i guess that's increased my amount of internet reading that i'm trying to find interesting things like i found a story that was this whole like uh breakdown uh of the word john and how it was this like philadelphia like j-a-w-n how it's this like this word that's used only in philadelphia and nowhere else it was like this linguistic analysis of it and it was fascinating you know and like that doesn't count towards my book total for the year but man am i glad i read that yeah it's really really interesting stuff but but yeah i don't know like you're i don't i hope books never die you know like it seems to me like they're just taking different shapes yep um you know or different different formats at this point but yeah, you can't be just handing somebody a book, you know what I mean? Like, you would really like this, you know? Um, and I'm I'm happy to have, like, two books in the last six months that have just flat out blown my mind with 
you know, I get I get tied up like, oh man, I would really like to make a film because it's like this really rich way of telling a story, and you can incorporate images and music and you know everything else, and you know, and and I'm like, wow, there's something about just reading a story that somebody has had to lay out with words, you know, and like you don't have the benefit of having the visuals, so you just have to paint the picture with words and you know, finding people who are absolute masters at that and respecting that craft and okay, now I'm inspired to do this again. Um, yeah. So that's good too. So you got to tell me what the books are. Oh, okay. Uh, one of them is, uh, it was the man Booker prize winner, uh, in 2015. It was, I think it was 2015. It's this guy, Marlon James. And the, the book is called, uh, a brief history of seven killings. And it's, it starts, right around the time uh, of the assassination attempt on Bob Marley. Huh. So he's, he's Jamaican. He lives in Minneapolis now. Oh, but, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's incredible. You know, just mind-blowing. And he has, like, I want to say it's it's over 10 different narrators. And some come in for just, like, a few pages, and that's it. And then there's a couple that last through almost the entire book. Um, and it's a story that goes on for decades, you know. Um, but it was just phenomenal. I was reading it on a we took a kayak, we kayaked across uh, Lake Powell this December and I was just, just my nose in that book every time we stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and then another one was a short story collection by this guy, uh, who's an Irish writer named Kevin Barry. Uh, and it's called there are little kingdoms. Mm -hmm. And I picked it up in Ireland in a bookstore. It was, it was this award-winning book of short stories and just laughing out loud, like every three pages and, utter respect for this guy's command of of not only like the English language but like uh Irish Irish dialogue I guess you know people's voices um it, it was fan fantastic uh so I've been recommending that to people okay good I get yeah. two recommendations yeah um switching up just a little bit um who kind of a weird question, I guess, but I'm curious, um, sort of your current heroes or idols, like the people who right now in your life, for whatever reason, you happen to be, you know, looking up to and thinking like, these people are doing interesting things. Um, and maybe because they're somewhere where you think you might want to be, or you just admire what they're doing. Um, and, and, and we'll, you know, there's different walks, right? There's the outdoors world there's i don't know athletes not in the outdoors world there's writers musicians other people um are there folks right now that are that are um you kind of have in that you have your eye on uh yeah um yeah i don't i wouldn't i never i don't really elevate people to hero status mm -hmm. very often uh because i'd like it to remain tangible and like be yeah. able to uh you know, be able to apply things from my life to, to them, but, uh, or to how they're living. Um, but I, I mentioned those two authors before, uh, that I'd read their, their work and just am incredibly impressed by. Um, but I think whenever I'm like trying to do, uh, you know, a gut check and think if I should take on some work or do something, I always kind of look, uh, to my, like my friend Fitz Cahal is, he's, mm -hmm. uh, owns his own creative agency, you know, started the Dirtbag Diaries podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of look, I'm like, would Fitz do this? You know, would Fitz <laughs> do this thing? And like, yeah, I don't have to do that. Fitz doesn't do that stuff, you know. Um, and he and I are not 
uh, incredibly alike in tons of aspects, but we're, we get along great and we have made a, a few things together that are really some of my favorite, um, you know, stories that I've gotten to tell or that we've told together. Um, but he, he has this, uh, vision that, and maybe not vision, but like taste, I guess, of what he will do and what he did. He wants to, you know, what he wants his legacy to be or whatever, um, that, that I, I kind of, you know, there's many different ways you can be a writer or a quote unquote storyteller or filmmaker, you know, and I think it's easy for people to look around and go, oh, well, I got to do this because this person, you know, is a successful writer and that's what they did. And, you know, that's cool and everything, but I think you should, like me, I want to have my own metric for, for success and, uh, whatever that is. And, um, so I look, I look at Fitz as somebody who's been original and, stuck with their own vision, regardless if, you know, the right people were, um, you know, in support of it or would publish his stuff or not. He just went for it and has created something completely original and <clears throat> I think worth, worth, uh, looking at if, if you're creative in any, in any space. Mm -hmm. I'd say another one is, uh, Aaron Draplin, the mm -hmm. guy who's, uh, he, he's a designer, you know, like he's a graphic designer and I would say, I would argue artist, um, but he's just this, this guy, this regular guy from Michigan and, uh, he has his own design company in Portland. And, um, I don't remember how I first heard of him. I think there was this little video that came out where somebody asked him to design a logo in like seven minutes or something like that, or, or a couple hours and the video is seven minutes and they kind of show him going through these, like, I think it's an estate sale and he's just digging through boxes, finding these old logos from the 60s and 70s on the backs of, like, notebooks and, like, you know, uh, trucker hats and stuff like that. And he goes, it works now. It worked back then. It works now. It still works now, you know. <laughs> and he's so fired up and passionate about what he does. It, it carries over to kind of everything um, he does. And he gives these great talks. Uh, it's just this, I guess it's one talk, but it's called Tall Tales from a Large Man. And he just gets up on stage, and he absolutely does his own thing and there's like not much structure it's kind of a fun slideshow and like I, I've watched multiple ones just to get like fired up to give my own talks for my book because I'm like Draplin makes it look so easy you know and he's just he and what it is is passion about telling his story and I'm always a little shy about you know not I don't want people to see me as like a narcissist and I watch Draplin do it and I'm like okay this is how you do it you know and like he he gets it and he gets you fired up just by telling his own story and how about his little successes and he's not a big deal but he is kind of a big deal you know hmm. um and it's a he's a fantastic guy i've have his uh, poster uh, that he designed about the state of colorado um hanging in our in our apartment here um but yeah he's he's a, a good role model too i feel like but i think those are two of the people i look at a lot um yeah i I guess I never want to have like just one person where I decide, you know, this is the person whose model I'm going to follow. Cause I want yeah. to do all these different things. And, um, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll never get very good at any of them, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's been fun. So, yeah. um, I kind of look around a lot and see what yeah. other people are doing and like, okay, try to take a piece of that with me. And I see they do this one way. Okay. That's, that's interesting. You know, yeah. um, I think that's healthy. Yeah. Um, I know from, you know, people who are familiar with your stuff on, on, on semi-rad 
Do you say semi-rad or semi-rad, by the way? I say semi. Semi. You're a semi guy? Yeah. I don't don't know what I... I, All right, we're going to call it (laughs) semi-rad. I know you care about hip-hop, and so this is just purely for my own selfish uh, curiosity. Um, Where are you at with Kanye? Oh, that's tough. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's tricky. And, well, it's you know, and I, I, I gotta say, I, I respect some of his music. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan, you know, like in general. Like I just like when you hold Kanye up next to like Kendrick Lamar, yeah. and you're like, you know, Kanye's story is is still as of his last album that I've listened to is like. You know, the, the story he keeps telling is Kanye is awesome, you know, mm-hmm. and it's okay. We get it, you know, like, let's come up with something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I respect some of the beats he's made, but like his music for me is tough. I, I'm not really super into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure why. I mean, I guess that's it. Like, there's this tremendous ego you have to get around. And yeah. At the beginning, when nobody was making money, hip hop was all bragging. You know, yeah. like that was that was cool. But I feel like there's this like thing inside that guy that is like, kind of this like, if I get this, then people will love me. You know, then the world will love me. If I can do this, then the world will love me. And it's like, if I can sell so many albums, or if I can marry the most beautiful woman, or if my fashion line, you know, gets gets talked about during Fashion Week or whatever. And there's just a, like this anger inside this guy where you're kind of like yeah i'm not not into this energy so much um that said there's a couple songs that he has that are just like absolute bangers you know um but i can't take it can't take a ton of it i find there's just a lot more interesting hip-hop out there yeah um to be honest with you at this point yeah well what's where are you where are you on (laughs) uh yeah, this is this is kind of the never-ending topic among friends um i i'm i'm still i'm still I'm still on the the Kanye bandwagon. And I mean, I think, which is a harder and harder position to occupy in (laughs) in a lot of ways, because the dude is in a lot of ways, like straight nuts and doing indefensible, mean-spirited things in a lot of ways. And yet, I think the thing that for me, like I once knew somebody who talked about people driving their own bus and like you talked about this this anger right for him i think a different way to put it is like i'm in on kanye because i have no idea what he's doing next like no idea and nothing would really surprise me and so i think in this case like you know i i'm i kind of sometimes want our artists to just be out there and you know like i don't have to like them they don't have to like me you know anything like that but like when you look I mean Kendrick is so interesting but like that dude's not crazy you know whereas (laughs) Kanye actually might be and I don't care and I do think that there's like this vision there that again unfortunately this stuff some of the stuff he says and does like it's not defensible um but I'm I'm fine with the arrogance I'm like you just go be you you know and uh and I'm just gonna like keep seeing what where you go you know and and i i like having a a few people out there like that and um i don't don't know what other what other rappers or what other artists currently are are doing that so forcefully 
So I don't know if that makes any sense, but none. And by the way, none of my friends agree with me on this. They're all just like, you're terrible and Kanye's worse, you know, but, uh, I, I, I just was curious. Uh, Aaron Teasdale, who is another longtime outdoor writer, he and I have had this, we go back and forth about Kanye West all, yeah. I mean, we've had this discussion and he just like w- keeps holding it against me, you know? And I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I <laughs> that's that's fine dude that you like him i get it mm-hmm. but yeah i'm i'm looking forward to this uh john connor album whenever it comes out i don't know if you listen to him at all but he's from flint michigan and hmm. his last his last album which is not i don't know who i forget who released it but it's it's pretty fantastic and he huh. is working with i'm working with dre now i believe huh. so but that's I should, whenever that comes out I'm, I'm really excited for it so huh. okay we can derail this podcast. Yeah, we could in a big way. <laughs> um, some other time, I'm yeah. Some other time, next time I'm in Denver or something, I might I might want to subject you to my full Kanye take because I don't know who nobody nobody else. All my friends have heard this and and I don't think they're convinced and <laughs> and uh, you know and but I don't know. You might be you might be somebody worth you know cornering on this one <laughs> and. Uh, see what you think but the guy is interesting certainly and and i'm totally fine with people being like that guy's despicable or he's not the best rapper out there or anything like that but i i think there is there you know we are watching something happen and um while i want my friends to be good and interesting people i'm i'm pretty okay if if i've got a few artists in my life that i can just kind of keep an eye on and and watch what in the hell they're doing next if, oh, if, for sure. I mean, no, no, like, you know, music is full of these, like, heroes who are just not that, you know, had some pretty despicable behavior from, like, mm-hmm. Fela Kuti, Bob Marley, you know, yeah. all these guys had weird shit going on. And, like, yeah. Kanye's is very out there. If Kanye had made, let's say if Q-Tip made all the Tribe Called Quest albums and had Kanye's personality, <laughs> I would be, I would still be okay with that, but I'm just not that in love with Kanye's the music. music yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. We're going to, as much as it pains me, we're going to leave off on that. Uh, (laughs) um, one last thing I wanted to again, ask you about was, um, again, I, I got to know you as I think a lot of people did with your, you know, the internet writing and these shorter pieces and you've now hit us. Not that these are your only two books, um, new American road trip mixtape, um, and 60 meters to anywhere, but, um, but you, you know, I think most, many people got to know you in short form and we're now getting you see, getting to see you do your thing in, in a longer form medium. Um, but newspapers were actually that, you know, I, kind of wondered like, why did you go to, to grad school in journalism? And then the more I learned and 60 meters to anywhere talks about this, you kind of seem to have this early thing going with newspapers and newspaper writing is that was that kind of your first um is is are newspapers and newspaper articles the shorter form what got you interested in writing in the first place god yeah i mean i think so well i the reason i the only reason i probably started writing was that my seventh grade geography teacher mr button jeff button uh I was in his class and I was like being myself cracking jokes all the time. And he was this 
uh, just magical seventh grade teacher who connected with several students on multiple levels, but he ran the school newspaper at my junior high, which was just um, like uh, pastel colored sheets of paper, you know, printed on both sides, stapled together. And he said, you should write a column for the newspaper. And he gave me a bunch of old issues by this guy, Chris Phillips, who is now an attorney in Las Vegas. And Chris Phillips uh, and this other guy, Chris Robbie, who were, these were guys who were at that point in ninth and 10th grade, but had written columns for the newspaper. And, um, I was like, this is really entertaining. These guys are really funny, you know, in, in the seventh grade sort of way. And so I wrote a bunch for the, for the, uh, the newspaper, like my mom still has all those columns, you know, and, um, that got me started, I think. And then, um, I didn't write again for a newspaper. Like we didn't have a high school newspaper at my high school. It was like one page, like once a week or something like that on the back of the regular newspaper in town, in a town of 3,000 people, and I just didn't do it. I actually got kicked out of my creative writing class uh, in high school. My mom <laughs> had to go in and be like, I know this stuff is out there, but this is a creative writing class. He's just being creative. And the teacher <laughs> let me back in. And, um, but then when I got to college, I, I for some reason thought, you know, I think I saw an ad in the school newspaper, and they said, we're looking for columnists for next year. And I was a junior, and I was like, well, I I think you had to write like two sample columns or something like that. And I wrote a column for my campus newspaper and, uh, that was just the most fun I've ever had. Like in that, in college, it was, you know, doing something actually productive, which for the rest of the stuff that I did in college, none of it was productive. Uh, but that was cool. You know, like having people, people would recognize me at the bar and be like, Hey, I really liked your column that you wrote. I, uh, I just found it. And I found it old emails that I'd printed off from people saying, Hey, we loved your column, you know, this and that. Um, and that was enough for me to say, I don't want to do whatever. I was getting a marketing degree at the time. And by the time I was into this newspaper thing, I was like a semester away from graduating and I wasn't going to switch majors. One, they didn't have a journalism major, you know, um, I was an English major for about one day. And I think I started into Canterbury tales and I was like, <laughs> I don't think I can do this, you know? Um, so like, journalism to me is like you're a painter but you paint houses you know and the english degree was like yeah you paint paintings you know yeah. uh, and i think having that like midwestern background you're like i gotta do something that's gonna get me a job and like you knew people who worked at newspapers you right. know like, you didn't um, know novelists or yeah yeah, yeah. They didn't, i have the presentation i give for my book i'm like yeah my high school guidance counselor was not like you know if i had said to him I want to be an adventure writer. He'd be like, that's, I don't think that's a thing. You know, like, I don't know, I don't know how you do that. I actually can't help you. You know, like I can help you be a teacher or a physical therapist or an accountant or, yeah. you know, any of these, these other things, you know, that we actually know about. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I think so. And then, you know, like writing for the web, like writing my website has been like just this extension of that type of thing. Like, this free form, I'm going to be a newspaper columnist thing, but it's gotten even more ridiculous free form. You know, it's not even about a topic sometimes. <laughs> it's, not, it's definitely not about a news issue most of the time. Hmm. Um, and it's, it was just this thing that like, well, you know, in order to go through the pitching process to get something published or, you know, talk an editor into this idea I have for like an opinion piece, like this is going to take forever. And like just going straight to the people has been such a, fun thing you know you're like 
people who actually read things get to elevate your stuff. And then, you know, magazine editors see it and they're like, wow, that's really great. You should write something like that for us. And you're like, okay. And then, and then you do. And they're like, yeah, but not exactly like that. <laughs> strange and weird. And like, we want to edit it and like reshape it for our voice. And you're just like, yeah, why did I do this? Uh, it, it's not always like that. I shouldn't mm -hmm. say that, but like, it's, you know, having this freeway to just like spit things out there and people get to pick them up. And if they're funny, you know, if it if it's funny, it goes somewhere. If it's not, it just dies, and it's yeah. it's too it's great. You know, it's this, and you get to learn to like cater to what people what people like. You know, and like, yeah. okay, this is what mo has brought the most joy to the most people yep. last month. So maybe I can tap into that same sort of creative energy this month. You know, and this whole idea of like being a writer and not giving your stuff away, which was like drummed into me at the beginning, but I was like. Yeah, this website started because I was giving it away, you know, and now it's awesome. Um, I'm really happy with, you know, I'm able to make part of a living doing it. Um, yeah. And it's really, but yeah, I think that is kind of where it started, you know, being that, I think I was a senior in college and uh, I talked to one of my business professors because he had a column in the local paper, which was, I don't know, it was a city of 100,000 people. So the paper circulation at that time probably would have been 40,000 or something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I want to be a columnist like you. And he's just like, basically he had to tell me that's not an actual job. Like, <laughs> you're like, that's something I get paid like, you know, 50 bucks to do yeah. every, every two weeks or whatever. And I was like, Oh shit. You know, what am I going to do? Um, so I went into like newspaper journalism and I realized from day one that I didn't really want to do the track that you had to do at that time, which was like, okay, you want to write about this? You have to go to city council meetings and write, you know, try to make, these things sound interesting or like report on high school football. And I was bad at that stuff. So I never really did well at newspapers and ended up doing, doing adventure writing, which is, you know, not been bad, I would say. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, <clears throat> man, a couple of questions I want to ask. Um, are you a, in terms of your writing, are you a fast writer? Is is writing kind of slow and suffering? Um, let me, we'll start there. Fast or slow? Um, I would say fast. Like once mm -hmm. the idea is, you know, like once the idea is there, it's fast. You know, I don't like do a lot of. Um, I will I'll, like for a magazine feature, I will kind of map it out. Like I will say, you know here's the scene, here's the next scene, you need to explain these five things in between there, there's another scene here, and, you know, here's how you're going to close it, you know, and, like, I'll have a couple lines in my head, maybe, um, but when it comes time to sit down and actually do it, it doesn't take very long, um, but, like, some weeks, you know, you don't, it, it would be really hard, like, you know, writing, it's not like you just, like, clock in, and, like, right. punch the time clock and sit down, and you're like, okay, this is going to take me two and a half hours, it's right. like, it's stuff you're like you're in line at the supermarket you're like oh yeah what if i did this? Yeah. Uh, and then you forget about it and then you're like over by the frozen fruit and you're thinking more about it and then you go for a jog later and then two weeks later you think of it and like and then eventually it comes out but like yeah you know once i get started on stuff it usually doesn't i usually can't like i don't usually write half a blog and then abandon it it yeah. has happened like a couple times in the last five years but most of the time it's out and I'm like, okay, that's good. And I'll show it. My girlfriend, Hillary's, you know, like, of course the, the gateway to everything. I'm like, all right, what do you think of this? You know? And she's like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I 
you have two different things going on here. And I'm like, okay, shit, you know, and, or, you know, is this funny? And she'd be like, hey, it's pretty funny. And <laughs> I'm learning though, that she's like, not a, not the greatest barometer now because she's like become so accustomed to like my sense of humor. I put up this chart. Like I, I drew out this chart a couple few weeks ago and I sent it to her and I was like, what do you think? I'm, I'm thinking about doing this tomorrow. And she goes, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm used to your sense of humor, but I just don't think it's really that funny. I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay. She's like, I mean, it's pretty good. Like, it's it's fine, but I don't think it's going to, like, blow up. And it it instantly became, like, the most shared thing on my website ever. <laughs> which, wait, which was, chart was this? Uh, it's called Did You Have a Good Adventure? Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is great. You need to just go back to her, like, do this again, <clears throat> and set this, make the next one, like, pretty bad, actually. And then she'll be like, yeah, I don't know. And then just be like, you just don't get me anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, the, the did you go on adventure? She was definitely wrong about that. So I, I'm, I'm on your side. Yeah. I wouldn't say wrong as much as I would say <laughs> underestimated. Because you know? like, there's, there's things she said that about and she's been right. And I've been like sitting across the table from on Thursday yeah. going, yeah, it's not Damn. really taking off. And she's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. I was like, well, it was the best I could do this week. Sorry, you know. So, but yeah, no, I would say fast. Okay. Uh, I guess. Well, that means I don't like you anymore. Oh, really? I'm one of the slow. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 I would not put myself in the fast writer category, but, uh, so I'll just, I'll just look with envy at, at the rest of you. You're in good company because I, um, you know, like, uh, Kevin Fedarko who wrote The Emerald Mile. Yeah. I've, I was like, I was, we were talking about writing and I, I said something like, oh yeah, I mean, just like the, the doing it, you know, like when it's absolutely flowing, it's just one of these magical things. And he's like, I hate writing. You know, <laughs> I love the research. The writing part is just torture. And I'm like, okay, okay. All right, buddy. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like that for, I, I, I bet it's 50, 50 really. I bet there's two hmm. camps of people. Hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, but anyway, I mean, I think like with writing, I think there's, it's always, I think for those, you know, I'm, I'm envious of fast writers, but I think in going slow, the suffering is like that sense of, I think I can frame this slightly better. <clears throat> like whatever it is that you just put down on paper, there's that sense of like, this could be 10% better. Or if I was smart enough to think of that one perfect word everything gets illuminated, you know? And mm. so, um, but, uh, yeah, maybe I'll, um, it's been a lot of years. I'm still trying to figure out, um, how to, uh, maybe get out of that mode. Um, but anyway, but here's to you and all your happy, fast, magical <laughs> writing. <laughs> you know, there's a thing you might want to, you might want to familiarize yourself with. It really yeah. takes a lot of the pressure mm -hmm. off. And I don't know where I found this, but it's called done is better than perfect. <laughs> So. We yeah we uh we have that conversation a lot around here actually <laughs> and uh, there's a bunch of people I work with who would be nodding right now vigorously um, yeah yeah uh, I'm gonna shout out to Cy uh, Cy Whitling um, oh yeah one of, our, one of our editors who uh, yeah when he hears this his his neck's basically gonna snap off in agreement with you um, he's a good dude he's a good dude um um. Cool. What is the best question that I have not asked you? Ah, uh, boy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to okay. think of things that I'm really excited about right now. And I guess basically the 
um, the book is a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did we did just have a film come out like a couple mm-hmm. hours ago uh, online that um, that I co-directed and co-produced with my friend. Um, it's called Ace and the Desert Dog. Um, wow. We could talk about that, but it's like, yeah, that's that's out, so that's cool. It came uh, out a couple hours ago online. Well, we, yeah, we put it online a couple. Okay. Hours. It premiered at the Five Point Film Festival. Okay. Uh, yeah, but that's uh, that was a long battle of getting that finished, and uh, um, pretty pretty happy with that. And it's a really good story about my friend Ace and his uh his dog who was ten years old, ten year old Blue Healer, and they went on the sixty day like 400 mile backpacking trip in the desert last year. Um, and the film is kind of, uh, it's our take on their relationship, um, or our telling of the story of their relationship between a guy and his dog. And, uh, it's, I think it's touching. I think mm-hmm. they're touching. I think Genghis, his dog is like the coolest dog ever. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm very proud to have like been able to, you know, throw a stupid idea out to, uh, a couple friends and and Vask, uh, who's one of my sponsors, and say, "Hey, we want to make this film. Do you guys want to get behind it?" And hmm. he said, "Sure." And, um, throughout the process, the moments of doubt that we'd really bitten off way more than we could chew, it, it still it still came out uh, well. I think so. Psyched about that. Awesome. What's it? Give me the title again. It's called Ace and the Desert Dog. Okay. And yeah. where where can people find it online? Uh, it's on YouTube right now, um, okay. or you can just go to the Basque website. It should be on the front page for a number, a couple months. V a s q u e dot com. Yep. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll put a link up to it in the in the show notes for this episode um, too. But yeah, that's cool. I look forward to checking that out. Yeah. Other than that, I'm really excited about this new pour over thing I got for coffee. But that's not as exciting. <laughs> it's almost gear though. So it is gear. Yeah. <laughs> And it's coffee, which is actually kind of amazing that we haven't talked about in two hours. Um, apparently, that is seemingly a bit of an addiction. I mean, you talk about this a little bit in the book, but but you seem pretty cool with that one. And, oh, I'm like, yeah. Sure. Well, I'm not not cool with it. I'm like trying to wean myself off a little bit. But are you really? You're well. I've, I've been doing this like ultra running, and like yeah. it really messes with my electrolytes when I run. Uh, yeah. Like, if I drink a cup of coffee and then go run twenty some miles, it like. I'm not sure. I think I flush the electrolytes before I start running and then I can't ever get the balance back. So I finish runs with these like huge headaches. And so, yeah, like days I run long, I just do like green tea, but the days I don't, man. Yeah. It's my last uh, vice, you know, it's your last vice. I, I, in my head and I have no idea if this is true or not, and I'm not going to look it up, but I, I, in my head, I remember seeing a, um, like a headline, that was something like, you know, heavy coffee drinkers reduce their chance of getting Parkinson's disease by like 35%. Oh, and, yeah. and I just, I just hang on to that. Oh, and I, sure. I, I don't know where the article is and I don't really, you know, care for anyone to disillusion me of this <laughs> if it's not true. But in that way, I'm like, this isn't even a vice. I mean, I'm just a guy trying to not get Parkinson's. Yeah. How can I not do this? Right. Before? Exactly. Right. And, and it's wonderful, right? There's, so there's all kinds of those studies you can find, man. Yeah. They're great, you know. Like absolutely, it's an antioxidant. I have to, I have to do this. Yeah. yeah. I you probably don't have to do like seven really strong cups of coffee a day, though. You know, like yeah. you gotta admit to yourself, it's like might be getting to be a little much. But yeah, yeah. 
hey, Parkinson's, you know? Right. Uh, Nobody wants that. <laughs> Just better have another cup. Yeah. Hmm. Well, man, um, this has been really fun. I've, I'm really grateful for the time, and it, it's it's great to catch up. And um, I I wrote this, I think, at the start of um, the little review I did of, of your well, the New American Road Trip mixtape. That title is hard to say, by the way. I know, but um, it's a mistake. I mean, yeah. But anyway. I, I said there, and I, I still really mean it. I think I mean it more. Is you know one of the the great benefits of doing all this outdoors stuff is that at some point somebody has probably introduced you to semi rad, and um, it has really been. I think you have. Um, you're just a great part of the. I don't know, the experience or the furniture of, <laughs> of all of this outdoor stuff that, you know, we get to, we do get to read you every week and, um, uh, it's been great. And, and half the time I read you, I think, damn it. Like I should have thought of that and could have done that. And then it's like, no, nah, but you didn't and you still haven't. So, um, but, uh, I think, um, we're lucky to have you, um, those of us who enjoy these, outdoor activities we're we're lucky to have you among us and and um and being prolific with your fast and magical and happy writing <clears throat> and um i really do hope that that people check out this latest book um again i think anybody who enjoys the stuff that you're you're posting weekly and i guess now um do we say bi-weekly is that the right is that twice a week yeah I'm yeah right. yeah i guess yeah um, I think this book will do what you had hoped, which is tell your own story, um, but then also help everybody reading it think about pretty important issues of identity and um, our own relationships to basically all of the activities that we're involved with. So um, I think both of those are pretty good and meaningful things. Um, so grateful, grateful for this book. I'm I'm terrible at taking compliments, but I'm trying to get better. So I'm just going to say thank you. No, that's that's, that's great. wonderful to hear. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Um, well, great. Well, till the next time. Um, until we have our our mega um, conversation in Denver about Kanye. Um, you know, I hope <laughs> good luck with all of it, and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Right on. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. All right, bet. Take care. Right. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Brendan Leonard for the conversation, and be sure to go to blisterreview.com for links to Brendan's book and a bunch of other stuff. Thanks, too, to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, who is getting married this weekend. Mazel tov, J-Bob. Till next week, check us out online at blisterreview.com, and if you haven't already, subscribe to the Blister Podcast in iTunes. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week.